Praise the Lord. How many of you have a lot to be thankful for? Amen. We do. We truly do. We truly do. Linda and I just got back from uh, some time out on the ocean blue, and, and we saw all kinds of ships out there, cargo ships, stuff stacked so high, probably coming from China. Oh, I won't go there. All kinds of vehicles out on the sea, Dr. Charles. And as I looked at those ships, Robbie, they reminded me of people. All those ships are going somewhere. Different havens, different ports, different destinies. And I thought about our lives as being like ships, Nancy. Sailing upon the sea of life. Heading somewhere. Heading some in different directions with different destinies. And it made me realize that life is just like a voyage. And in this voyage, Rob, there's choices that we must make. And that's where all of us are at today. And that's where everybody in the world is at today. They're in the midst of choices. And in these choices, there are destinies that are determined by our individual choices. I also come to realize that as we sailed upon the ocean blue, that life is filled with adventure. I'm going to show you a couple pictures in a moment about some of my adventures. And I just got to believe that the adventures that we have the joy of experiencing, Frank, are all gifts from the Lord. And I also think about who we partner with in our adventures called life. And all of that is determined also by our choices that we make. These are all gifts by God. What is the substance of your life adventure? What will be your final port of call? Will there in your journey, Jerry, be storms that are unforeseeable now? Hardships. Things that are unimaginable, that will be very real. And the question is, Larry, who is in your ship with you? How many of you know it's important that you have Jesus with you on your voyage? Can you say amen? Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 22. And I, I like this little portion of scripture here because it talks about the instructions of the Lord to those who were following him to go out into a ship on a, on a little journey. Just like he calls us to go out on a, a venture. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he, the he being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples. 
And he said unto them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. They did not know that this adventure would take them into turbulent storms. They did not know that this adventure would take them to the demoniac of the Gadarenes, to the very strongholds of Satan. They did not know that this launching forth into the deep would launch them into arenas of ministry that they had no way of foreseeing and understanding and comprehending. All they knew is that Jesus said, let us launch out into the deep. And so they set their sails by faith. Just like God, Gina, calls us to launch our sails by faith because he's with us. Can you say amen? Father, today as we look into your word, I pray, Lord, that we would launch out into the deep, not fearing wind or wave, but, Lord, sailing in confidence, knowing that you are with us always, even unto the end of the age. And everyone would say, Amen. I want to show you a couple pictures of my recent adventure. Uh, Linda, if you'd, uh, this is a little uh, different kind of craft. How many of you have ever been in a submarine? Here's one. Were you in the Navy? You visited, so you were like me, you were, you were a spectator, and uh, anybody else uh, gone in a submarine? I had this desire to go into this submarine. This was down in Barbados. Now, if you know anything about Linda, she don't do water good, and so I, she said, I'll go shopping, and you go in the submarine. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. We just got that kind of a relationship. She does her thing. I do my thing. And we come together for dinner. And we, do, we just have a wonderful time. So this is the, uh, the Atlantis Three submarine. Next picture, please. And uh, here we are launching forth from the uh, mooring boat. Uh, all wrapped up down inside. And next picture, please. And here we are as we're starting our descent. Next picture, please as we're sailing off into the ocean blue. And here we go, down into the depths. And as you see, going down into the water, I'm down inside of that thing. Next picture, and you see the periscope. And this is a picture I took from inside the boat, uh, Susie, 143 feet below the surface. <sighs> I loved it. You know what I thought, Frank, when I was down there? What was it like for those Navy people who had depth charges coming? See, I think about stuff like that. And then I took it a little deeper, Pat. I thought about the 30,000 sailors who lost their lives in World War II in the German U-boats who followed a doctrine of devils and never came out of the depth. I thought about the wrecks in the bottom of the sea that are lost forever because people followed a lie 
Yeah, I think about stuff like that. And then I was happy when we came up. Can you say amen? Next picture, please. This is a picture of a lost anchor that I saw at the depths of a ship that was lost. Next picture, please. This is a pilot boat. This boat reminds me of people like Pastor, who pilots lives into the haven of rest. These pilot boats guide boats into safe places. And it reminded me of pastors in churches, Nancy, who lead the ship to where it's supposed to be so it doesn't crash. Can you say amen? I'm glad we got a pastor like that. So I, when I saw this pilot boat, I thought of our pastor. Praise the Lord. Next picture, please. This is a sailboat that I saw out on the horizon, Rob, and it reminded me of people that are lone rangers in life that are kind of doing it their way. They don't need anybody else. Ever seen people like that? Thought, boy, what a lonely place to be. Don't know that they need God. Don't know that they need Jesus. Don't know that they need others. They're just living life according to the gospel of Frank. They're doing it their way. Next picture, please. This is a little fishing boat. It reminded me of the teamwork of those who are about the great harvest and why we need to be involved in VBS and children's ministry and middle school ministry and, and youth ministry and adult ministry because uh, together, as we network ourselves together as the church, we're able to gather in a great draught of fishes. Can you say amen? Church, it takes teamwork. So I thought when I saw this boat, I thought of those who partner with us in ministry to make things happen in God's house. And I rejoice. Praise the Lord. Next boat. Picture, please. This is what I call the pleasure craft. This is the party boat where nothing matters but to eat, to drink, and be merry because tomorrow we, well, we ignore that. All we're living for is for the good times. All we're living for is for the party, the fast times. Don't want to think about eternity. Next picture, please. This is what I call the church boat. You say, well, that's a carnival boat. Yeah, it's a place where people from every tribe and language and nation are all gathered together on a voyage that's going to go to a port called the Haven of Rest. It's a family place. It's a celebration place. It's a place where all of us are gathered together and we're going to come to a place in Jesus someday where we're going to exit into that land beyond time, that land of constant hellos and no more goodbyes. This is called the ship of the church. Could you say amen? Next picture, please. This is the Topaz. This is the fourth largest yacht in the world. $400 million boat. On the side of that boat, there's two doors that open up, two speedboats come down. Two helicopter ports on this boat. And I think of those that are affluent. I think of those who put their trust in their money. I think of those who have not prepared and they can't take it with them. People that are sailing on this type 
of a lost ship. Next picture, please. And then there's this ship. What is that? It's a sunken ship or it's a shipwreck. Thank you, Dr. Charles. This is what I saw out of the port of the submarine. A lost ship. And as I gazed upon the ruins of this vessel that once sailed gladly upon the ocean seas, I thought of those who sail upon life and have not prepared for eternity that are going to sink to the depths of despair. If they don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, they're lost ships. Paul even mentioned this when he, when he talked about those in his epistle, uh, that those who had shipwrecked their faith. You see, friends, you have to stay the course. you got to continue the journey. You have to sail into destiny in Jesus Christ. You must stay the course. Or like Judas... You sink into the depths of the forgotten. If you got your little worksheet there that was passed out, point number one today I want you to think about is a life adventure. I was so proud of Beth Wednesday night. She didn't know I was going to pick on her. I didn't either. I just got poked by the Holy Spirit. But Beth's been on a journey in life, just like you and I. Beth came to a place where she realized that she needed to make a decision about what she was going to do with Jesus Christ. And she decided to follow Jesus. Wednesday night she got water baptized and I was so, I, I get the best view of all when I'm up in the water tank, Robbie, with these dear ones that come into the baptismal tank. I, I see in their eyes right here the joy and the excitement and, and, and the wonder of being baptized and, 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 and identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ in water baptism. And I am always so honored when I'm able to officiate a water baptism service and, and, and be able to minister to the candidates as they go down into the depths. Not to stay down there like the wreck. I said, not to stay down there like the wreck, but to be raised in newness of life. I don't see Michael here this morning, but Michael... Most of you weren't able to see it. Michael crawled up the steps. He was desperate to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Pastor Hell, I have to be water baptized. 
And he didn't let his handicap hinder his desire, Jerry, to identify with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you should have seen him as he struggled to get up those steps and, and came down into the water. And it was a, it was a, a, a chore to be able to stand. I was holding him up. You don't know this. I was holding him up until the moment where I could say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I baptized him. And he come up out of the water, not as a wreck anymore, but as a new creature in Jesus Christ. And then I watched him as he crawled down the steps. This is what my thought was as I, after, after Michael was water baptized. Oh God, give us the faith of Michael that doesn't hesitate to follow Jesus that doesn't hesitate to be identified with him, but runs to the opportunity to make a public declaration of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because life is an adventure, friends. An adventure with Jesus. I began my personal encounter with Jesus in a very favorable atmosphere. I had the honor, Dr. Charles, of being raised in the church. Pat, I had the honor of having godly parents that brought us to church, and church was not an option. But yet I realized, I came to a place in my walk with God, Lena, I realized I couldn't ride in on my parents' coattails. I had to decide what I was going to do with Jesus Christ. And there was a date, there was a day when I had to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was the worst sinner in the world uh, at eight years old. That's why I felt. And Nikki, I remember in a Sunday school class, kneeling down at one of those old hard steel folding chairs and giving my heart to Jesus. And at eight years old, I felt the weight. I know how to put it into words. I felt the weight of shame. I felt the weight of, of sin. I felt the death grip of evil was released off of my life as a child. That's why we bring our, our coals to Sunday school. That's why we bring our children to VBS. That's why we bring our kids to middle school ministry and to youth ministry because if they, without Jesus, they will be shipwrecked. In my journey, in my adventure, I came to realize too that there was another work of grace called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, I had a misconception. I just thought it was for platform people. I thought it was just for the elite in the church until I saw in the scripture where it says that this promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children, that included me, all who are far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. I said, that's for me. It was just not for the apostles. It's for the church. And I remember it in a revival service on a Tuesday night. Coming forward and doing it the Bible way where Jesus said, Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it would be opened. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Ghost to those who ask? So I asked, and on that Tuesday evening, I was filled with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and a transformation that was different than salvation began to take place in my personality. It's all part of my adventure. After I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Write down a life partnership. Three great, three great, three great, great items in my life. Number one, salvation. Number two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And number three, Linda. How many of you know it's a great thing to have a great partner? Oh, by the way, it's her birthday today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my sweetheart. Happy birthday to you. Let's show our appreciation to her. I'll pay for that later. That's okay. Proverbs 18.22 says this, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and favor from the Lord. Let me declare to you, I have been highly favored. Praise the Lord. God gave me an amazing life partner and we started out our adventure together, Dr. Charles. And like many young couples, we, re, we came to some crossroads. And it wasn't necessarily Suzette and Pat bad things, but not the best of things. We had friends that had a cottage out on Bald Eagle Lake, just north of Clarkston, and they started in, uh, inviting us out, and as young couples, we were kind of stretching our own wings and learning how to fly in this adventure of life, and, and, and man, it felt good to go out there on the lake and fish and, and, and uh, have barbecues and enjoy the sunshine, and, and, and it, it, was, it was not necessarily J.D. a bad thing, but we started missing church because... The lust of the flesh enjoyed the outdoors instead of being in God's house. And we, sta we, we started, Teresa, we started compromising ourselves. And it's 
I like the term pastor uses. It's the deceptiveness of the gradual. And spiritual erosion can, can slowly seduce you and draw you into areas of compromise where you, you just don't attend church like you once did. and You don't read the word like you once did. And, and you don't spend time in prayer like you once did. And you don't walk in fellowship like you once did. And, and you don't tell each other that you love each other like you once did. And, and it's the deceptiveness of the gradual. And my Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes with the steal and to kill and to destroy but Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly there is no abundant life outside of Jesus Christ and I can't remember if she initiated with me or, or I initiated with her all I know is that we came to grips with this reality we have to make a decision and in our life partnership we made a decision to make the Lord Jesus Christ our greatest priority. To make his church our place of habitation. And to make ourselves available to serve in whatever capacity that God would open doors onto. And so we launched out into the deep, just like the disciples, not really knowing where they were going or what was going to happen. But so many years ago, we launched out into the deep, not knowing what destiny would become. Diane, if we had not made that decision 40 years ago, we would not have had the opportunity of knowing the Pullmans as we do. If we had not made that decision so many years ago, Ron and Debbie, I don't know that you would be here today because Ron worked with me at Ford. If my witness would have been less than what it should have been, Ron may not be here today. If it was not for the decision that we made, Joe, you and I would not have known the rich fellowship, brother to brother, that we have known. And there's no barbecue on the lake, no little fish that I ever could have caught that ever compare with this fish. Can you say amen? And he's not a shark either. Can you say amen? <laughs> yeah, we could have made a choice to live life to the full and live for me, myself, and I, but we made a decision to follow Jesus. And we decided to soar with the Lord. Write it down somewhere, soar. Sold out and radical. Say it again, sore, sold out, and radical. It was the greatest decision that we made in our, our journey of faith to be sold out and radical for Jesus Christ as a married couple. And it's been glorious. We had to make a decision on how we would sail upon life's sea. So do you. 
We decided together to be committed to Jesus Christ, to one another, to the church, and unto ministry as the Lord would open doors. And like the disciples, we launched out. Not knowing the final destination. Not knowing the storms of life that lay ahead, and we have been through storms. I've buried my child. We've gone through things that are unimaginable. But what has kept us is the one who's been in our ship with us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you know you've got Christ in your boat with you, it doesn't matter what the wind or the sail or the gale or what it is, but you know you've got Jesus with you. We could not have known many of the things that we have known. We would not have known the doors that would have opened us for us in our, our lives except by taking the steps of faith. One thing we knew, we knew that his presence was with us. His promises were true. And the power of the Holy Spirit was in us. And that God had a plan. Say a plan. Brother Trask gave me a word one day I never forgot. He said, how the pathway of the righteous may not always be well lit, but it is always well planned. Man, sometimes, Frank, you just, man, you just can't see past tomorrow. But no, God's got a plan. I've thought so many times of Joseph in Pharaoh's prison hall after all of those years wondering, God, where are you? God had a plan. I'm sure that Job, uh, when he had lost everything he had, lost his children, lost his physical being, and had a soulmate that said, why don't you just curse God and die? What a wife. Job knew that God had a plan. For he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. You see, when you know who's with you, you can trust what you're going through. Uh, when you know who's with you, you may not understand the whys of life, but you know God has a plan, and you can trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You don't need to understand and hear, but all you need to know is who's with you. And Jesus said, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Patty, he's with you. The same God that is with you is with Tony right now over here in Heartland. God's got a plan. Stay the course. Stay the course. In the name of Jesus, stay the course. Can you say amen? Number three, a life purpose. A life calling. Now we come to realize, you write this down, sub point A here, that we have different gifts. I don't know if you've noticed it yet or not, but Linda is different than me. She's prettier than me, well, that don't take much. But she has behind the scenes giftings that have been given to her by God to complement things in the body of Christ that only Jesus knows. And a few of them because I'm married to her. 
I have different giftings that are much more visible in the teaching, preaching, exhortation, edification, and exhorting ministries, and the more of the, the hands-on that is very, very visual giftings. That doesn't mean that her giftings are any less more important than me. We have just kind of discovered as a couple what our niche is in the church. I look at John and Valerie there. You guys are kind of where Linda and I were. It just seems like yesterday. And you don't know how often you folks make me smile because I see you folks making the same kind of decision Jesus, Jesus, Linda and I made because we decided to follow Jesus. And I see a lot of young couples come and I see a lot of young couples go. But when I see young couples that have decided to continue their, their journey with Jesus in their boat, that's a win-win. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. I call couples all the time. I've missed you in church. I haven't seen you in church. And I hear all kinds of excuses. But I tell them excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. And there's many a ship that lays at the bottom of the ocean deep because they made excuses. Do you hear me today? We have learned in our relationship, next point here, to have respect and trust for one another. How many of you know this is important in marriage? I mean, if you're going to go on this journey, this adventure called marriage together, you have to have mutual respect and trust for one another. And what I learned to do, I learned to experience the measure of Christ that was in my wife, and that was the measure of trust that I could afford her. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of Jesus in Linda. Praise the Lord. There's mutual respect and mutual trust. I respect her role. I respect the things that she does. And she does likewise. It's reciprocal. It's the way it should be in marriage. Mutual respect. In trust. It's important in that to mutually encourage one another. Can I talk to you husband and wives for a second? Do, in, do you encourage your husband? Or do you discourage your husband? Do you encourage your wife? Or do you discourage your wife? Are your words words that encourage, exhort, and edify your soulmate? Or do you have a toxic tongue? Hello? Paul, or the writer of James said very clearly not to bite and devour one another. He was writing to church folk, not the people in the world. So let me speak to you couples this morning. 
As you're sailing together, I'm looking at Crystal and Dan over here, another young couple that I just love the pieces. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Edify one another in Christ. And never forget that his presence is with you. And he hears all. And Frank, he sees all. Can you say amen? And someday the books will be opened. Amen. Respect one another. Trust one another. And as you're sailing along in your marriage, glorify Christ in one another. And you'll be a word the wiser. Can you say amen? I'm just giving you some little bit of training here this morning. Amen. Next one here is knowing contentment. We have discovered in our adventure in Christ, the only word, Teresa, I can come with, with is, is contentment. I'm content with who and what I am in Jesus Christ. I don't try to be something that I'm not. Or I don't try to be somebody that I'm not. I've learned to be content with what God has made here. And I call that Christ esteem. You see, when you know who and what you are in Jesus Christ, there's contentment and not competition. Hello. I'm talking about contentment. Linda, in her role, has a very sober contentment. Friends, if you can discover that contentment in Christ, it will save you from many hurtful snares and many lusts and traps in life. Discover that contentment with God's will and his workings in your lives. Number four, I've got to hurry. Opportunities of a lifetime. I look over the years and I am humbled by God's gracious opportunities. I could have never dreamed as a young man the shoes that I would have walked in that we would walk together in as a husband and wife. Subpoint A here, the ministry. I was just young and foolish enough to say, Lord, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Not realizing, Nikki, what it was I was praying. If God would have told me then, what he had planned for me, I'd probably still be running. I would have said, feet do your duty. But God, who is so gentle with us, takes us through one door, through another door, through another door. And the, the revelation of God's will in our lives, many times, friends, is progressive. He just shows you enough for now. Because if he gave it all to you, Matthew, all at once, it would be too much to swallow. Do you understand? God's got a plan for your ship 
God's got an adventure for your life. God's got a destiny for every single soul that's seated here today. What an honor it is to teach and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be able to be an extension of his everlasting arms and to see people accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. What an honor it is to proclaim godly counsel to those who are in desperation to exhort and to encourage and to edify others. At times, like I did Thursday night with Gay Revitzer, to go into ICU and to lay hands on the sick and to sense of the presence of the living God and that his presence is present to heal in the name of Jesus. I could have never dreamed of such opportunities, Jerry, when I was just a young man like John over here. But God, who is rich in grace and mercies, opens unto us opportunities if we will have the faith to walk through it with hands and feet that are lifted up to him. What a joy to be able to be a witness for Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, and in the place where we worship. I was sitting out on my lawn yesterday and all the grandkids are over. It's wonderful when the grandkids are over. And some neighbor children came over, five, six years old, and a cousin about seven. And so they kind of started interacting with our grandchildren. They were out there playing. And, and uh, of course, for some reason, they got an eye for Jasmine. And if you don't know who Jasmine is, Jasmine is the grand dog. She don't know she's a dog. But every time they would come near, Jasmine would bark. They would disappear. So I was holding Jasmine. I seen these little girls come on. I said, I said, I got a hold of her collar. You can come over by faith. I, I won't let go. And they were suspicious. I don't know why they were suspicious. They thought that I would let go. No, I held firm to Jasmine. I said, just come over. Let her smell you. Then they got the patter. And then Jasmine was fine with them. And I started having a little bit of interaction with these beautiful little cherubs, these little children. And in the course of conversation, I, uh, I, I, I said something to one of the, I think that the six-year-old, I, I said something to him about going to church. How many of you know you got to seize the moment when you can? Oh, we don't go to church. Why should I glorify God? How many of you know that opens the door? The, the, the older one who was the cousin that was with them, she piped up uh, and she said, well, I go to church when my grandma takes me. Belle, do you know there's something wrong with this picture? When your grandchildren can only come to church because mom and dad is too busy being a success? That'll preach. So I'm developing an opportunity here with these neighborhood little girls to tell them 
about Jesus. You never know. You never know. Friends, we're called to be witnesses. And red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Can you say amen? That's what the church is all about. In our world marketplace, and all of us are going to be going to different places today, there's going to be people that you're going to come in contact with that I will never see. That is your global marketplace. God has called you in this adventure, in this cruise of life, uh, to be his lighthouses. To be salt and light in the earth. And to make a difference by being a witness of Jesus Christ before these souls. Frank goes into the jails. Some go into the, the workplace. Wherever it is that your witness goes, let your light shine for Jesus because you don't know the impact of your witness, what it will be if you let your light shine. Ron and Debbie are here today because I didn't let my light hide at Ford Motor Company. I was a witness for Jesus Christ. I met a man In 1974, he was a general foreman at Ford Motor Company. His name was Paul. I was an inspector, and we didn't get along because I wrote up all the discrepancies on the tractors going by that his assemblers were putting together. So him and I had a little bit of a clash because I put up bad points on him, and he didn't like that. Over the years, Paul and I interacted. Paul always knew who I was and what I was. Circumstances caused some unfortunate things to happen to Paul, and, and he stepped down from uh, the salary position, went back on hourly. He ended up, just about four years before I retired from Ford, as my parts man. He worked for me. He knew what I was and who I was where my priorities were. And then Paul went on a medical, never came back to Ford. He went, I heard he went into medical retirement. For whatever reason, I, did, I was not privy to that information, Frank. About four years ago, I got a phone call from this lady by the name of Kathy, and she was looking for some help and needed some support and came in, and I started having some counseling with her, encouraging her, Lord, got her back on the straight and narrow where she should be. She's still living for Jesus. Can you say amen? Come to find out, Jerry, it's a small world. She is the daughter of this Paul. Don't tell me God don't know how to set you up. Would you pray for my dad? Could you go visit my mother? She's out at, in, in uh, Richmond. She had her foot amputated. I, I spent visits out there. Oh, my. This week, I got a phone call from Kathy. My dad, Paul, who I was introduced to 40 years ago, Larry, is full of cancer. And he has asked to come and see you. 
I could have never dreamed 40 years ago. Phil, that God would open an opportunity this past Thursday to help this man into a wheelchair. Dr. Charles, to take him into my office over yonder and to tell him all about Jesus. To tell him that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I took him down the Romans road, took him to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and I told him, I said, all you have to do is receive. And Paul in my office accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Forty years in the making. Forty years. I could have not imagined that that date would have ever taken place. You see, friends, you never know. When you are a witness, Leon, in the workplace, the impact, maybe decades down the road of Jesus Terry's, the impact that that will have on somebody's life because they saw you walk the walk and not talk the talk. I'll never forget the phone call I got from Anita Iafredi. She had a fellow nurse whose husband was dying. His name was Dennis. She said, would you be willing to go and visit the home? The, the man is in a coma, has been for weeks. I've told her all about you, and she wants to know if you would come to the house and have prayer with the family. I said, absolutely. Have her call me. She called me. I made an appointment on that Thursday at 3.30. At 3.30, I rang the doorbell. Be reminded, this man, Dr. Charles, had been in a coma for weeks in a hospital bed in their, in their home family room. I rang the doorbell. The sister comes to the door. She says, you must be Pastor Hal. I said, yes, I am. She said, it's a miracle. Dennis just opened his eyes. That wasn't by chance. That's a divine appointment. I went in there, Rob, and Rod, and <coughs> I'll never forget the look in that man's eyes as I held him by the hand. And led him through the sinner's prayer. The eyes are the windows of the soul, Don. And his eyes said, thank you. Thank you. We stood around that bed. I said, family, let's hold hands. We all held hands. And I don't know if there's ever been a time, John, where I have sensed the presence of God so powerfully, but was in that moment when Dennis, like the dying thief, said, remember me. And we celebrated the grace of God together. And that evening I got the phone call. He went into eternity. 
What if I was too busy being a success, Susie? What if I would have had a calendar that was full and, oh, I don't have time, I don't know you? What if I would have missed that opportunity to rescue a ship that was ready to plunge to the depths? What if? I'm glad that on that day, and I know that Dennis is glad on that day, that I wasn't too busy. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. There was Big George who worked down at the car wash. Washed pastor's car many times. Had the joy of visiting him at Detroit Medical Center, leading him to Jesus. All of these divine appointments in my, my personal cruise has came as a result. Next point, because I've chosen to be an ambassador and I've chosen to be found faithful to the calling of God upon my life. And just as Jesus told the disciples, let us launch out into the deep, we have launched And we have experienced destinies where we have endeavored by the grace of God to be found faithful. How many of you know that faithfulness is important? Someday we're going to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful. Friends, are you faithful to his word? Are you faithful to prayer? Are you faithful in fellowship? Are you faithful to one another? Let me go a little deeper. Are you faithful to your spouse? Are you faithful to your children? Are you faithful to your grandchildren? Are you faithful to the Lord? If ever there was a day that this world needed a witness of faithfulness, it's today. Can you say amen? In conclusion today, I would ask you this question. What kind of ship are you upon life's sea? Remember the snapshots that I showed you at the beginning? Are you like the sailboat that's doing its own thing? Living your life for me, myself, and I? Or maybe you're like the pleasure craft. All that matters is the good times. Or maybe you're like the, what I call the affluent boat. You can't take it with you. Are you a part of God's boat? The safe house. The church. Where there's community. Where there's fellowship. Where there's security. 
where there's friendship. Pat and Suzette, where there's love. Cherry, where there's partnership in ministry. Nadine, where there are marriages that are examples. The cruise ship of the church that will come to the haven of rest someday. It's port or call called heaven. Say that with me. Heaven. Or will your ship be like the ship that I showed at the bottom of the briny? A lost ship. A forgotten ship. Another question, you can fill in the blank here. What will destiny declare about you? Will Jesus say, well done? Or go away, I never knew you. Last blank to fill in. Will you, your ship be found shipwrecked? The choice is yours. I have decided to follow I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, I've shared your word today. I've sown faithfully that which you've placed upon my heart for this day and this hour. I commit, Holy Spirit, that seed to you right now in the hearts of those who've received. And I ask, Lord Jesus, for you to incubate that seed and release life in the name of Jesus. There are those here today that are at the same crossroads that Linda and I was 41 years ago. You haven't really sold out and become radical for Jesus Christ. You've been laboring with it. You've been struggling with that life choice. Today's your day to decide to follow Jesus. You may be here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Like, don't wait till you're like Paul. Make that decision today to accept God's grace of life by faith. 
You may be here today and you realize, uh, Pastor Hal, my ship's been sailing off course. Uh, I've been kind of doing things my way and, and, and I need to get back on a, a, a gospel heading. God's course. Today's the day that you need to decide to follow Jesus. If you're here today and you fall into one of those categories, would you just raise your hand and nobody's looking around and say, I'm in the need of prayer. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you in the back. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I need to get back on course with God. I need to hear from heaven. I don't want to be a shipwreck like Paul who said those who have shipwrecked their faith. I need to get right with God. Anybody else? So we take just a moment. Yes, up in the balcony. Thank you for that hand. I've been praying for you. Thank you. Another hand up in the balcony. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I've decided to follow Jesus. Everybody repeat this prayer after me, especially those who have, have raised their hands. Dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. And I ask you, Jesus, to set my course straight, to right my ship, and to cleanse me from unrighteousness. I confess my error. I confess my sins and I put my faith in you Lord Jesus and from this day forward I'm going to sail with you by faith in Jesus name thank you Lord for hearing my prayer thank you Lord for bringing me to this moment Thank you, Lord, for making me a child of destiny. For by faith, I will sail into the haven of rest when my time comes. In Jesus' name.